Welcome back to the Biology Society of South Australia podcast. I'm your host, Bradley Bianco. Well, as the SARS-CoV-2 virus spreads across the world and tightens its grip on our lives, many of us are finding it difficult to connect with the natural world around us. In South Australia, we find ourselves in the incredibly fortunate position of having a very low incidence of community spread. As such, at the time I'm recording this, our state authorities have not closed national and recreation parks, and the two-person gathering limit enacted in the eastern states does not apply here. In fact, state government officials are actively encouraging South Australians to get out into our local parks and get some fresh air, stretch our legs and exercise. Of course, all other necessary precautions must be taken relating to social distancing while commuting to parks and reserves, and while we are enjoying these outdoor spaces also. With many of us working from home, we may be at risk of cabin fever, being cooped up inside all day. A trip to a local park may be just what we need right now to recharge our batteries and reconnect with the outside world, albeit maybe by ourselves for now. So that brings me to the impetus for today's episode. This episode, like others, has been an experiment. The Biology Society had a number of guided tours of conservation reserves planned for the start of the year, but now all too familiar limitations have put these on hold for the foreseeable future. In their place, we have thought of a new way to provide you with your own personal tour. In today's episode, I'll be taking you on a guided walk through the South Port Nolonga Dunes, my favourite local reserve. I will preface this episode by advising that, while currently South Australians are permitted and advised to go out and enjoy our local parks, this is subject to revision, and as such, I may remove this episode in the coming weeks, but hopefully not. Local is a reasonably subjective term, but for the purposes of this remotely guided outing, locals should be considered residents of the Adelaide metropolitan area. It is also recommended that you attempt to avoid public transport or even carpooling when with people outside your household to get to the dunes. In fact, with me talking in your ears, it might be best to do this one alone. The walking route I have chosen sees low traffic, even on a warm summer's day, so you will have a good chance of being the only one walking the track, especially if you choose to walk in the mid-morning or during the day. Try to avoid weekends if you really want the beach to yourself. So with these caveats in mind, please let me be your guide on a walk through the Southport Dunes. On our tour, we will have a look at some of the dominant sand dune plants, listen and look for some of its inhabitant fauna, and admire the beautiful scenery that typifies this part of our coast. Okay, here we are. I hope you made it here safely. We will start our tour of the gazebo at the end of Southport Esplanade, just off Clark Street, Port Nolonga. I have provided a Google Maps pin in the show description so you can find it easily. From the gazebo, facing south, that is, with the beach to our right, we will take the path to our left and head into the dunes. As we approach the track and start to take our walk, Take out one of your earbuds or headphones or pause here and have a listen. Did you hear any birds? How about this one? Or maybe you heard a bird that sounded like this. The first call was a singing honey eater. The second call belongs to the largest spiny-cheeked honey eater. 
Both of these birds are common inhabitants of the dune vegetation, eating berries and feeding on nectar of the plants around you. Now, let's keep walking. Begin to take a look at the plants on either side of the track. Do any of them look familiar? Up ahead, the track forks. Continuing straight will take you to the Onkaponga River as it slows down and snakes its way to the sea. We will turn right at the small turnstile and head deeper into the dunes. Keep walking up ahead. When we get to the turnstile, we'll stop and have a closer look at some of the plants around us. Hopefully you're at the turnstile. If you are, turn around so you are facing north. Behind you is a patch of coastal bluebells, Wallenbergia littoricola. You might be lucky enough to still see them in flower. You're looking for clusters of green upright stems with bell-shaped blue flowers with four or five petals. These plants have actually been reintroduced to the dunes by the local friends group. You might still even see the plant guards protecting the parents of the many younger new plants establishing around them. In the same area as the bluebells, we can have a look at some other coastal regulars. Try to look for a prostrate plant with ground-running stems. It has round, dark green leaves with a spiky appearance. This is Kunzia pomifera, better known as Muntries. For the traditional Ghana people, this is an important coastal summer food source. In early summer, this plant bears a profusion of purple berries that, I kid you not, taste like apple and cinnamon. Ghana people would pick the berries and make them into a kind of dried fruitcake. These could be stored for later consumption or even traded with neighbouring groups. Okay, now let's step over the turnstile and begin to make our way off the track. We are now walking parallel with the Onkaparinga River to our left and the Southport Beach to our right. On the right-hand side of the track, creeping its way into the path, is the dominant species of native grass found here in the dunes. This grass is Spinifex hirsutus, or hairy spinifex. You may have heard of spinifex before. It is the common name given to a hummock-forming group of arid land plants of the genus Triodia. I've never quite understood why this group was given the name, as the grass in front of you is a true spinifex of no relation to Triodia. Interestingly, and concerningly, the vast majority of the spinifex plants in the dunes are sterile. Their flowers fall victim to the pathogenic smut fungus Eustiago spinificus, rendering any infected seeds unviable. For this reason, there is little genetic variation in the spinifex population, as many of the plants we will see as we walk are vegetative clones. Turns out human populations aren't the only ones susceptible to pandemics. You may have already noticed that dunes are home to many species of prostrate or mat-forming plants. Before the track starts to bend to the right, on the left-hand side of the track is a colony of the native P. Canedia prostrata. Its common name, running postman, is given due to the bright red flowers that emerge in spring on the long running stems that creep across the sand. Mat-forming plants here in the dunes serve an important ecological function. They stabilise and collect sand as it is blown across the landscape. Like many coastal plants, being covered in sand is barely a hindrance, and before too long, new suits will emerge from below the surface of the sand. The track now bends right, with a dune rising above or to our left. Continue up the track.
Okay, you should be at a point where the track begins to turn left and go up the face of the dune. Here, on the right hand side of the track, you should see another mat forming species. Those green fleshy fingers belong to Carbobrotus rossii, commonly known as Kakala. Like Muntries, the fruits of Kakala are edible. In fact, Carbobrotus is derived from Greek words meaning edible fruit. I would say that Kakala fruits taste a bit like salty rock melon or a bland salty kiwi fruit. Not as nice as Muntries, but still fairly tasty. Keep walking up the track as it rises over the first dune. As you walk, you should see some low-growing plants with a deep purple foliage on the left-hand side of the track. This species is Threlkeldia diffusa, or coast bone fruit. The purple colour in the leaves is the result of a buildup of a chemical called anthocyanin. This chemical effectively acts as a kind of plant sun cream, shielding the plant from harmful ultraviolet rays. I will leave you to continue to walk up the track. As you do, look left. This large depression was once filled with the invasive African grass species Earharta vilosa, known as pip grass. Pip grass was introduced to the dunes to stabilize the sand as it was eroding from a lack of native vegetation. Unfortunately, pip grass is an incredibly effective competitor and quickly established and outcompeted native plants. Over the past five years, conservation groups have been working hard to eliminate pipgrass from the dunes. It's hard to believe, but this bowl to your left was once filled with pipgrass. Many long hours of work have resulted in the near eradication of pipgrass from this part of the dunes, and many native plants are re-establishing, quickly filling the void left by the pipgrass's retreat. Keep walking past the depression to our left until the track starts to turn again to the left as we walk up the big dune. Okay, we should have made it past the formerly pipgrass-filled depression to our left and made it to a point where the track bends left again before we begin to make our way up to the big dune. On both sides of the track is the large native shrub Myoporum insulare, or native juniper. Look for a large bush with fleshy, bright green, roughly spoon-shaped leaves. Hopefully you can see one. The common name, native juniper, is given not for any resemblance of the plant's foliage to true juniper, but for its dark, bitter purple berries. The current fascination with Australian native botanicals has led a number of distillers to use the berries of our native juniper to flavour their gins in place of the fruits of the more commonly used true juniper. When bars are open once again, give one of these local gin distillers a try. Passing the native junipers, keep walking up the track before it begins to bend to the right. I'll probably leave you for a minute to make your way up the big dune. It's quite a climb.
Have you made it to the top? If not, pause here and resume when you get to the top of the dune. Phew, quite a climb, isn't it? Take a moment here at the top of the dune and take in your surroundings. Looking to the northeast, you can see the Port Nalanga estuary. These salt marsh flats are incredibly important habitat for fish fingerlings and other juvenile marine species. The salt marsh also provides important foraging habitat for wading birds. In the past, stormwater, effluent, and waste products from an abattoir in Old Norlunga polluted the river and degraded the salt marsh community. In the past 20 years, stormwater treatment, detention basins, and the closing of the abattoir have resulted in the salt marsh community rebounding. This important component of the ecosystem is now habitat for wildlife once again. Pause the audio here if you'd like to enjoy your surroundings a bit more. Otherwise, we'll continue walking south along the track. There is a small saddle between the dune we just climbed and the next dune. In the middle of this saddle, on the right-hand side of the track, you can see a really large population of Spinifex hirsutus. Over time, this dune is continuing to grow. As sand blows in off the beach, it covers the Spinifex. The grass's response to being covered is to send out new roots and stick its head up above the sand and keep growing down. Continue along the track, gaining the next dune after the saddle, and we now start to descend this first big dune. Heading down, on the right side of the track, is one of the two main species of acacia found here in the dunes. This species with the narrow phyllodes is Acacia cupularis. If you're familiar with acacias, you might have noticed the other main species of acacia in the dunes, Acacia longifolia subspecies sophorae. These two acacias can be distinguished by the size and shape of their phyllodes, with the latter having long, broad, multi-veined phyllodes, and the former having short, narrow, singularly veined phyllodes. As you keep walking, I'll describe two of the other main shrubs that you've seen while you've been walking through the track. These two species are plentiful, and you're likely to continue to encounter them as you walk. You might have already seen this shrub, whose leaves are dark and glossy green on the top, but silver and hairy on the underside. This is a large coastal daisy bush, Oliria axillaris. If you've ever had the privilege of attending a Ghana smoking ceremony, you might be interested to know that it is this species whose leaves are dried and smoked for use in the ceremony. The second plant is a little harder to describe, but I'll do my best. Look for a plant with spearhead-shaped leaves, with parallel veins, deeply gnarled, twisted bark, and a red tinge to the new stems. This is Leucopogon parviflorus, Coast Beard Heath. Like a number of the plants we've already mentioned, in summer, this species has edible fruits. Tiny white berries that taste a little bit like cranberry adorn this bush when it is fruiting and are an incredibly valuable source of food for local birds. I'll leave you to continue walking along the track until you get to a junction that splits right. Keep your eye out for some of the plants we've talked about already in this walk.
Did you make it to the junction? If not, pause here and resume when you get there. At this junction, we're going to turn right and head towards the beach. As we walk and crest the dune, you'll notice some stubble on the ground. These are the cut stems of that grass I was talking about, pip grass. Only very recently has the grass been eliminated from this area. The method that is used is to use a brush cutter to cut the standing stems of the pip grass. Wait for them to use the energy stored in their underground stems to re-emerge. Once they've popped their heads up, a grass selective herbicide is applied that goes down back into the stems, killing the plant. Although dead, the root system stays in place and stabilizes the sand. Although pipgrass was only eliminated from this area about 12 months ago, you can see that native plants are starting to recolonize the sand. Continue down this steep track until you hit the junction with the beach. You should now be descending the beach facing primary dune. As you walk, keep your eye out for another one of the dune's invasive species. The plant you're looking for has red to purple stems at the base of the plant and really bright lime green foliage at the top of the plant. Its leaves are arranged in a spiral formation traveling up the stem. Although an attractive plant, Euphorbia paralias or sea spurge is heavily invasive and outcompetes native plants. It tends to be concentrated here on the foredune, but with viable seeds and a persistent woody crown, it competes with native plants for water and space. After pipgrass, Euphorbia is the next plant on the hit list of conservation groups in the dunes. Hopefully you've made it to the beach by now. If you haven't, pause here and resume when you get there. This is South Portnolunga Beach, the beach where the Onkaparinga River makes its way to the sea. This beach is one of the few left on the south coast where the nationally endangered hooded plover makes its nests. Surveys conducted last year revealed that there are fewer than 30 remaining pairs of breeding hooded plovers left on the Fleurio Peninsula. These birds make their nests in small depressions in the sand, only a few meters above the high water mark. Their eggs are speckled in exactly the same color as the sand, making them almost invisible. This leaves the eggs vulnerable to trampling by humans or dogs. The hooded plover should be a reminder that, like many natural areas, we share these places with wildlife. Careful planning needs to be done to ensure that the needs of both humans and our native fauna and flora are met so that we can all enjoy both the beach and our wildlife for generations to come. And this is where I'm going to leave you guys. I hope you have enjoyed the walk so far and that you continue to enjoy the rest of your walk, either back to your car or continuing along the beach south towards the river mouth. I hope this short guide has given you more of an insight into the plants and animals that share this dune community with us, and that you have a greater appreciation for the restoration efforts put in by conservation groups. Thank you from the Biology Society and enjoy your day.